On today's show, we talk about the Texas shooter and how the media has lost their mind. And also, some more about the Trinity. Stick around. Coming up next. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. For his name's sake, prescribe truth. We're giving you what the doctor ordered. Jamal Bandy, apologist, the Lord's servant. We undeserve it, but Christ changed our mind frame. In a world full of errors, the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Prescribing Two Podcast right here on YouTube. I'm Jamal Bandy. If you're listening to this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. If you're new to the channel, hit the notification bell to the side so you'll be notified when I have new and upcoming content. If you're listening to this on your podcast apps, please remember to leave a rating and a review. This really helps us out. Thank you so much. I'm so appreciative. Um, if you want to connect with me, you can do so by emailing me at prescribe.true at gmail.com. Or you can call in, leave a voicemail, or chop it up to me uh, whenever um, I have time. And it's 801-980-6333. So I encourage you to do that. Um, if you'd like to support the show financially, please consider partnering with us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash prescribe true. I have different award tiers starting anywhere from a dollar and up. Um, and uh, different things you can get a shout out on the show. I'll receive resources to help you with apologetics if that's something you're into. Or maybe you just want to support. Even if, like I said, with just a dollar. Now, for those who will give $20, we have t-shirts. And so I have different designs. Um, these are a couple of newer designs that I've had. And, um, and I'm coming up with more. So, hey, $20 patrons receive a t-shirt. And there's other things as well. Uh, submit your questions and all that kind of good stuff. All right, so on today's show, I want to talk about um, a little bit about uh, the Texas shooter. Um, he's in custody. Um, my heart goes out to the families who've lost their loved ones. Um, for those who lost their lives, man, I'm in school, you know, um, it's, it's difficult. It's never easy when anyone loses their life, let alone a group of people. And so it's a very sad um, moment that took place uh, last week. And also, yeah, but what drives me crazy about situations like this is that every time there is a uh, incident involving a shooter, the media has a field day about anti-gun laws and so on and so forth. Now, I don't know where you may stand on that. Uh, you can leave your comments and, and uh, discuss it. You know, that's that's cool. You know, but this is what the media turns to, you know, remove guns. But see, the guns is not the problem. It's the person who's holding the guns. What kills me is our media never, never, ever wants to get into the heart of an issue it's always looking at the outside and so here is another prime example boy goes in shoots a school everybody wonders why what's the motive you know and they have him in custody i don't know if he's cooperating i don't know if they've talked to him if they interviewed him anything like that but they ask for motive you know and there's never a satisfying answer never is there ever a good reason to take human life Outside of serving justice, you know, I mean, is it? You know, so what answer would suffice? You know, 
And so now this happened, and now you have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Kelly Clarkson uh, going on saying that, you know, we're tired of moment of silence. It's time for action. You know, but what kind of action are you going to take? We can't fix the heart. We can't fix someone's desire to want to kill. You can lock everybody up in a cage. I mean, they're still going to do harm. Or at least they have the desire to do. And we can't lock everybody else up. Can't. Now, what kills me about this, this, such, this certain situation is that the media, CNN, um, had did a report on it. And I just can't stand how they try to get away from anything that will point to a heart issue because they try to get away from God. Now, they say, I'm going to play this for you. But they say this boy had no sign of anything that could have been wrong. I mean, at all. I mean, he just seemed like the, the, the just the right American, you know, good kid. You know, until he posted a picture about a shirt saying born to kill and had a jacket. They showed had a Nazi symbol and some other stuff. Until then, I mean, he was a stand-up kid, you know, just just a nice-going kid, you know. Who would ever thought that he'd go into school and shoot people? The problem with that is, it's funny that when they play this and they give uh, they show his uh, Facebook page that's now gone. They show his Facebook page. You see clear as day something very interesting. And they avoid it. They avoid it. Why? Could be conspiracy. Why? I don't know. But it's interesting. And I'm going to play that for you. Hold on a second. So check this out. Let me know what you think. Griffin, uh, now, Drew, uh, tell us what you're finding out about the suspect. Obviously, he has a uh, a social media footprint, although not one as alarming as other school shooters that you've looked at in the past. Certainly not from the uh, the shootings that we've covered in the past. Nothing that stands out or glares out. A few things came up. We do know, apparently, from uh, other students, he wore a trench coat. He wore a trench coat every day. He wore that trench coat today, 90 degrees. That's how he was able to get the shotgun into the school. Uh, we also know, just from a couple of students, that he was quiet. But as the governor said, and as we found on his uh, a Facebook page and other uh, social media before it was taken down. Uh, this suspect really didn't have any warning signs, and as the governor called him, he was a clean slate. And, and Drew, moments ago, uh, we learned from authorities uh, that there may be, they're investigating at the very least, the possibility of accomplices. Tell us about that. Yeah, we do know that there was an 18-year-old uh, student who was uh, detained According to the governor, the, that student acted suspiciously or acted strangely at the school after the incident was taken into custody. And then the uh, governor uh, referred to another uh, suspect, didn't give us any details on that, but it sounds like an investigative lead led them to that. One other thing the governor said uh, in response to a question, Jake, no reason to suspect any person other than the suspect in custody was involved in making those bombs. Demetrius Pogorci, 17, had scant details of his life on Facebook before the page disappeared, but this is what CNN was able to confirm before Facebook removed him from its platform. Pogorci says he started attending Santa Fe High School three years ago. He posted pictures of himself showing what appears to be a normal, nondescript high school student. 
But on April 30th, less than a month ago, he also posted this, a custom black T-shirt that says, Born to Kill. Indications are the shooter may have been wearing this T-shirt when he went to school this morning. Another post, a black duster jacket with Nazi, communist, fascist, and religious symbols. And under the name Kamikaze, Pegorches posted three rap songs on YouTube. That is it. The rest, typical teen. A photo of him in a church group. Other photos showing an average American. On his Facebook page, he showed interest in joining the U.S. Marine Corps starting in 2019, he wrote. Before high school, he attended Santa Fe Junior High, where he was listed on the sixth grade honor roll. The rest of it is not important. Come on. Did you see that? Did you see that? I mean, they just blew right past it. And I don't know if you paid attention to it or not, but it was right there. In plain sight. Even they talk about him being in a church group with that on his Facebook page. He may have been in the church group. I want to know what kind of church he was in. My guess, probably the church of Satan. You don't think so? Look at this. Look at this. No sign. That is a sign of the Satanists. That is a symbol. But no warning signs at all until he posted the shirt saying born to kill. And another shirt or jacket showing all these Nazi symbols and everything else. Come on out. And you say, well, him having a cover photo of that doesn't necessarily mean that he believed in that. Tell me somebody who posts something on their page, Facebook page, that's personal, that they don't agree with it. Find me somebody. You know, so if I've been on the cover photo, clear as day, this is what he held to. You know what I'm saying? Uh, something's at work here. You know, this is this sin. You know, this is a sinner. This is at, at the heart. You know what I'm saying? And so, if if he holds to these beliefs, like, consistently, he doesn't need a motive. He just felt like it. You know? But that's not going to be satisfying. Uh, that's not going to be satisfying to those who hear. But that may be the truth. Look at that. Come on, man. The signs are there, but see, the media don't want to bring that up. They don't want, they don't want to look at the religious symbol that's sitting right there on this cover photo. Cover up, maybe? I don't know. I'm not trying to get into conspiracy theories. You know, there's a reason why they brought up Santa Fe High School. The fact that he was wanting to join the military and everything else. But that right there is blaring them in the face, and they don't see it. What does the symbol mean? What is the religious stance behind this symbol? What do people who believe in this stand for concerning humans, concerning good and evil? What's the moral standard? So now the issue here is a hard issue. Clear as day. That's all. It goes down to the root of the heart. Now tell me, how do you fix something like that? I mean, more activities? Tell me, need more activities? Do we need to uh, just try to find somebody who can read minds and lock these people up? Do we think they're going to do something? Predict the future, maybe? No. The answer is the gospel. It is. And you say, oh, there you go, you Christian. There you go saying that stuff. That ain't help nobody. Psh. You're looking at somebody that helped. You're looking at countless other people that they helped. Those who 
also had thoughts of hurting others, hurting themselves, yet because of the power of the gospel, turn their lives around and trust in Christ and walk their lives out living in peace, living in peace. You know, not having a desire to kill, not having a desire to go and kill themselves or anything like that. Wanting to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. And that means that there is a moral lawgiver by which we stand on. And so, and we put our trust in. And so, yeah, you know, that's just that. I just want to, I just want to talk about that briefly. Just so you can see that, how the media wants to overlook the fact that, man, you know what? We are wicked. We are. As human beings, we are fallen and we are dead in our sin and our trespasses until we're made alive in Christ. That's it. But enough on that. You know, I, I pray that justice is served uh, for the victims. I know none of this can ever bring anyone back and bring them true comfort. My prayer for the families is that they'll find their comfort in Christ. That they would. Um, so. On the next portion of this, we're going to be dealing with some more about the Trinity. I know you've been waiting for it. Yeah, yeah, I have too. I couldn't wait to come back again to share with you some more evidence and to tear down another objection. I love this. All right, because truth matters. It matters, y'all. All right, so now in the last video I did, I dealt with Genesis 1.26 and what I was dealing with. Not was the name of God or the word used for God being Elohim, which somebody commented and was like, I didn't say about uh, the name of God because, you know, Elohim is used in different places. That wasn't the argument that I used. The argument I used was that the verb that's tied to uh, Genesis one twenty six, where it says, and God said, let us make. You know what I'm saying? So. The thing was, I'm not even studying Elohim. I'm looking at where God said himself, let us make. And so the verb for make is in the second person plural or the first person plural. And so the same thing saying we or us. And that's what it is. First person plural. And so the word for make. And so this means that it's God is speaking of himself. But yet there's a plurality there. It's, it's not singular as far as persons. Yes, one being that is God, but there's a plurality within that Godhead that's working and acting and making man in his own image and after his likeness. Or as the scripture says, let's make man in our image after our likeness. Cool. I have yet to find an answer to that. I, I, well, I'm going to put this. I have yet to hear someone give an answer to that who opposes the doctrine of the Trinity. I have not heard it yet. Uh, so still waiting. If you listen to this, I'm waiting. I need an answer to that. Genesis 126, not um, Elohim, but let us make man in our image at our likeness. Then we have to go with um, Genesis 3, where it also says, let us cast man out. Let's be, or let's he become like us. And so, um, yeah, that's that. Um, so today, I'm dealing with another objection. Um, objection was saying how um, uh, when it comes to Jesus, 
the person of Jesus, that the Father dwelt in him. So Jesus, they would say Jesus is God, but not that he's really God, but that he has God in him. And so, mm, come on, it's a stretch, especially with countless scriptures that show Jesus making a, a clear differentiation between him and the Father as the Father not being in him literally like that. Um, but that a relationship with something that is outside of him in that in that way um, that makes any sense um and so yeah we're going to go to scripture you know i'm not going to play around and guess what you're going to be a little happy you may be a little happy not going to be looking use uh not going to be looking at any greek just going to be going straight to the word all right um now if i get that itch to just dig in some greek and eh, we'll see but I don't think we have to go there today. All right. So without further ado, let's go to our trusty East Sword app. And we're looking at John 1. Now, I know y'all probably like, oh, there they go again. John 1, 1. We already know what they're going to say. Right. It's okay. We're actually going to read this. And we're going to read it in its context. Because what is the context, folks? What is the context? And so without further ado. So the objection was that the father was in Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So that's who it was. It wasn't the word. It wasn't the son. It was the father in Jesus. He indwelt Jesus. Jesus is on person and the father's in him. Now, there's so many holes in that, you know, but like I said, we're just going to take our time through this thing. Let people deal with the arguments as they come and hopefully get some good dialogue out of all this stuff. All right. That's the hope. So look at John 1 1. In the beginning was the word. Now let's stop there. In the beginning, this, this goes all the way back to beginning. <laughs> Go, just like echoing uh, Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. So here, same thing. In the beginning. So as far as the beginning can go, this is so this before the world was, any of that stuff. You know, so as far as the eternity past can go, in the beginning was the word. So this the word in the Greek, I'm not pulling it up, but the Greek is logos. So in the beginning was the word. The word for was is like existed. In the beginning existed the word. The word existed in the beginning. Okay. And the word was with God. Now this throws people off. That's fine. Hold on to it. We're going to get to it. Now, there's some interesting stuff within the Greek here um, that I would like to bring out, but I'm going to try to resist that urge. Okay, I'm just going to try. We'll see. It said, and the word was with God. Okay, so now this will show a distinction between the word and God. Okay, so the word, God. The word was with God. Now, this is going to communicate that when it says, and the word was with God, that this is speaking of God the Father. A lot of the New Testament writers wrote like this. When they were speaking of God the Father, they referred to him as just God and Jesus being our Lord, Savior. And so that's fine. Uh, you know, do with it as you will, but that's how they refer to him, the Father. But so, in the word was with God. But this third clause is the kicker. And the word was God. Now, I heard 
an argument that somebody said, well, Genesis 1-1 is communicating that God always had his word. That in the beginning, you know, he had his word. He used words because just like in Genesis 1, it says, God said, let there be light and there was light. So he spoke and therefore his word was always with him. And so that's what that meant. As if the word is some impersonal thing, some something uh, that's it's not personal. No, no person about him. Just a word, spoken uh, linguistics and language. That's all, you know. Yeah, this is a fit. It only would make sense if you take John one one and divorce it from the rest of the text. But what is the context? And so, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we see the same word that was with God is also God. Now, the next verse dispels the, the issue or the myth that the word here is not meant to be somebody personal. Because John 1, 2 says, he was in the beginning with God. So it didn't say it, it said he was in the beginning with God. Who was in the beginning? The word. The word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. It's just like he just stamped it again. Like he just had to put emphasis on it again. You need to know that the word, the eternal word of God, the eternal word was in the beginning with God. And now still talking about the word. He said all things were made through him. Through who? The word. Him. Made it personal. This is not an it. This is not a, a thought, you know what I'm saying, just language. This is a person, a person. All things were made through him, all things, not all other things. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So this means that this word that is just in the beginning, when God said, let there be light, was made the light was made through the word and without the word the light wouldn't exist it's powerful think about that now think about that the word was god he said in him what uh was life and the life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it all right um doo -doo 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 -doo. let's jump down to verse 10 because next we'll talk about John the Baptist coming to um, speak about Jesus. This is going to be talking about Jesus. So still talking about the word. The word is a subject. Keep that in mind. The word was with God. The word was with God. The word was God. But the same word created everything. All right. Now, verse 10. He, the word, was in the world. And the world was made through him. Yet, the world did not know him. Now, if this was just an it, if this was just a, a, fic, a thing of somebody's imagination or a thing of God's imagination or, or, or just his words, not a person, then what does it matter if somebody knew him? But the fact that it's personal this makes all the bigger difference. Now, this is also going to dispel that myth that the father was the one that indwelt Jesus or that, that took on flesh. Because keep in mind, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. 
the following passages are not about the God that's spoken in the beginning of being with the word. The, everything is spoken about the word. The word was with God. The word was in the world. Not, not, not the father. The word was in the world. Now keep in mind, the word was God. The word is Exodus God. Say he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Verse 14 is the key. And the word became flesh. Who became flesh? The word. Did it say God the Father? No. The word became flesh. Now this is the this is this shows it's the difference between Jesus and the Father. They're not the same person. The Father did not indwell Jesus. It was the eternal word that indwelled Jesus. Okay? The eternal word that took on flesh. And they called his name Jesus. God saves. Alright, so it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. His word dwelt means made his dwelling among us. So this means that Jesus did not come to be or come into existence at the birth. He already existed before the birth. He took on flesh. Okay. Come on now. The scripture says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father. Once again, a clear distinction. A clear distinction. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. In verse 15, John bore witness about him. Still talking about the word. His word became flesh. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me. Now, why this is important? Because John was baptizing into repentance. He was baptizing in the Jordan. And here comes Jesus in his earthly ministry, comes to John to be baptized. And it was given to John to say, Hey, the one who's coming to you, he's going to be one to be the, who's going to save the world. You know, so he's going to save people from their sins. And so here John says, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Whoa, wait a minute. Now, this is extra peculiar because if you know the story concerning the virgin birth and John the Baptist, then you know that John the Baptist is older than Jesus. He's older than him. Maybe in a few months, he was born before Jesus. It's very, very interesting. Born before Jesus, yet he says, he was before him. Whoa, Jesus before you? You were born before him. How did that be? John understood and knew that Jesus, not John, I'm talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist understood that Jesus was not just a mere man. He was God in flesh. He was God in the flesh. All right. And not the father, the son. All right, so this and this is what John the Apostle is sharing with us. He's this was the Son of God, but God nonetheless. And he says, 
No, let me go before it goes before me. Verse 16, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, this verse 18 is where I'm going to end at. He says, no one has ever seen God. No one. No one has ever seen God. The only God, and that's what it says, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. At the Father's side, now this is why I want to get into the Greek a little bit. Because John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. That word for with means it's, it's pros, and it means at the side of personal toward facing you know what I'm saying so this is it shows not only that jesus and the father are not the same person but they are two distinct persons and both are equally god there's a plurality within a godhead all right it says no one has ever seen god the only god who is at the father's side he has made him known Ooh, wait a minute now your translation may say the only begotten that word begotten does, does not mean born. It means unique. It's monogamous. And being next to the word God is monogamous theos. And so the only God, the unique God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So the word is called God again. There's a distinction between the Father and the word being as the, um, having glory as the only son from the Father. We see distinctions in persons. They're not the same. That right there is rejected. And it's over. Like two separate persons. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you're going to do. I hope you read the scriptures. Read it in its context. Believe what it says. If you don't believe in the Trinity, if you don't accept the triune nature of God, if you reject it, I pray you repent and look to Christ. That you cannot have a sufficient gospel without the triune nature of God. Because the question then is, who dies on the cross? Who atones for your sins? Does the Father suffer his own wrath? At Jesus' baptism, was Jesus just throwing his voice on the heavens? Come on now. John 1, the first 18 verses. First 18 verses tells us all to answer this question. That Jesus and the Father are not the same. But they are both God, equal, eternal, powerful, yet two distinct separate persons. That's it. So I hope I hope that helps you a little bit. I, I hope so. I hope so. So um leave your comments below. Let me know what you think. I know you're gonna let me know what you think, especially those who disagree. You know what I'm saying? Um now I got a question, question for the day. Once again, first five people to give the answer to this, gonna get a prize. Now, come on, guys. I know you guys can do it. Uh, last time I did this, a couple times, only one person uh, came up and answered it and got the prize. Look for five more people. All right. Now, you must be an active subscriber and leave a comment. All right. So, this is the question. Now, it has something to do with what we're talking about as far as Jesus and his deity. It says, uh, this is the question. Why were the Jews wanting to stone Jesus in John chapter 10? Now that means you're going to have to take time, read John 10, 
Or if you're already familiar with the passage, then you already know what the answer is. But read John chapter 10. Why were the Jews wanting to stone Jesus? Now keep in mind, what we just read in John chapter 1, that the Word was God and the Word took on flesh. So Jesus is like the, is the, is the uh, eternal Word of God incarnate. Okay? And so here we go. The eternal Word incarnate. And Jesus is uh, talking to these Pharisees and so on and so forth. They want to stone him. But why? All right, give you an answer. Let me know. And uh, we'll deal with it from there. All right, so let's, let's cue some music here. I thank y'all once again for looking at for looking at this video and checking this out. I hope this information has been helpful to you. Um, it's really been helping me, especially as we continue to go through this. So, remember, leave your comments. Let me know what you think. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Check out the stuff on the side. And remember, this world is full of errors. But the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth. Blessings.